0: Clayton, thanks for taking time to join us today here on Men's Leadership. And man, I just really appreciate you. Hey, tell us a little bit about kinda your family today and tell us a little about what you do.
1: Yeah, so I serve as the executive director for the Tennessee PGA. Um, as a, an organization, we sort of manage all of the PGA events here in Tennessee. Um, we cover parts of Mississippi, Georgia, Virginia, um, help out with you know, web.com events, web.com qualifiers, PGA Tour, uh, web.com Q School, and uh, we assist the, the Tennessee Golf Foundation. Our foundation runs a, a number of junior golf player development programming, SNEDS tour, uh, middle school golf programs across the country. So really, everything I do is about golf. Yeah. Golf is all I know, and golf is what I live and breathe. So it, it's, a, it's a great job, it's a wonderful opportunity, it's something I love, I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, In my family, you know, I'm a family guy. I love my family. Family is everything to me. I've got a wife that I've been married to, Marissa, um, for about uh, 13 years now. You know, you lose count. 2005, do the math in my head. So 13 years, we have two wonderful children. Mm -hmm. I have uh, an eight-year-old daughter named Bella and a four-year-old son named Luke coming Mm -hmm. up on five in about a month. So, you know, I've been blessed with people that that I love, I'm passionate about, people that support me and and have helped me sort of grow in my career, grow professionally, grow personally. And, uh, you know, I I can't imagine doing anything else in my life for a job. You know, they they say, do something that you're passionate about and do something you love and you never work a day in your life. I'm like a testament to that, right? And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity, it's, it's a career and passion that I have and, and luckily for me I've been blessed to do both at the same time, so it, uh, it, it, it is a career, but it's, it's a passion working with, uh, you know, the, the PJTour, Web.com, um, the, the Knoxville, Web.com event, Nashville Golf Open, uh, they got the St. Jude's out in Memphis that's, that's becoming a World Golf Championship event, next year so there's going to be some great golf played in our state and everybody should get out and take advantage of it. Um, You know golf is a game that that has a number of principles that are applicable to everybody's life. Mm. You know if, if you can get your children involved in the game of golf they'll learn skills that will serve them in other ways throughout their lives. It's not just a game, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for more.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: I encourage everybody to take up the game, everybody to love the game, and, and use the game's principles to,
0: to further yourself personally. So. What have you seen with some of those principles that you've talked about that have impacted maybe you or your family?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, golf, it, as I say, it's an individual sport, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're kind of at your own, you're on your own out on the golf course with with other competitors. And, and it's really you hear it all the time. It's the only sport where you can call the penalty on yourself. Yeah. You know, you have to stand up and say, hey, I messed up. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it. The world didn't see it. But I saw it. I know it. I have to live with it. Um, so i'm gonna I'm gonna penalize myself on this instance. Wow. Um, so it it teaches you character. Yeah. It, it teaches you um, morality in some forms. Uh, but you know, more important is just to g- get out. In, in nature and in God's creation and enjoy, you know, hopefully four hours. We all know it can <laughs> venture beyond that, but hopefully, you know, four or five hours with your friends, um, people who share a passion. You can build friendships, build relationships. Um, a lot of people conduct business on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's it's really just about getting out there. Putting a putting a peg in the ground, using a stick and hitting a ball, but more importantly, joining, the, enjoying the people around you. Yeah. Um, really getting to know them, getting to know more about them, more about their story, their relationships, their business, what they're doing in life. Um, the First Tee program has a number of core values that that they can apply to junior golfers as they you know persevere through life and, and mm-hmm. overcome obstacles they may be facing. So you know, golf is one of the rare sports that. I think teaches people more than just a skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really can teach them to become better people, mm-hmm. uh, better contributors to society, um, you know, if, if, in depending on what you learn and how you apply it, maybe a better Christian, better father, brother, 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 sister, mm-hmm. um, let's not discount the impact of women in golf and, yeah. and diversity and inclusion that's going on right now. So. It's really just an opportunity to bring everybody from society together, you mm. know, which, you know, I think right now society needs and, and golf can be that avenue. Mm. So, that's, that's, uh, that's how I look at the game yeah. and, and a lot of that applies to how I look at life.
0: I love that, I love that. And this is a big time for you right now. I mean, you got the Tour Championship happening and then the Ryder Cup coming up. And yeah, it's, it's, kind of- <laughs> it's, it's a great
1: time to be in golf, yeah. you know, and,
0: and, and I think that, Every time
1: a Ryder Cup is, is, is happening or going on, the game just gets engulfed by passion yeah. and gets engulfed by people who may not be aware of golf. Mm-hmm. You know, a, an event like the Ryder Cup really transcends the general golfer mm-hmm. um, and it gets into the general public, mm-hmm. which is what the game needs, it's, it's what we need. And, and I think that anytime you can capitalize on the momentum it creates, it's yeah. a good opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, you know, Ryder Cup's the best show
0: on earth, so it's, uh, it's definitely a good time, good time to be in the business. Mm, that's awesome. So you grew up playing, you didn't really grow up playing golf, you grew up playing a lot of sports though. Yeah, I played just about every other sport imaginable, uh, but I didn't
1: play golf. Um, I, I'm from a small town, middle of nowhere, Texas. Golf didn't really exist, it, it wasn't something that the majority of people did. Mm. Um, so I took up you know, football, baseball, basketball, anything that could occupy my time, keep me healthy, and give me an opportunity to compete. But golf certainly wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of stumbled into golf post-college. Mm-hmm. You know, When I was graduating from, from Texas A&M Sports Management, I had to do an internship and just sort of you know, you know, fumbled, or, or God led me, who knows, yeah. into an internship with the PGA um, in, in Northern Texas went through that and, and that's where, you know, they say the golf bug can bite you. It <laughs> found me. It found me, it bit me and I never turned back and, and I've been working, uh, working for the PGA ever since. So mm. that was 2005, 2006, so, you know, 12, 13 years now that,
0: that the game has engulfed everything I know. Mm. Well, tell us about this. I mean, you, you know, God's blessed you. You got an incredible family and, and just, you're so passionate about what you do. But tell us about your faith journey. When when did you come to know Christ as your personal Savior? When did you start that journey with Him? Yeah, you know,
1: my faith journey is it's it's something that's very personal to me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I haven't shared much, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's difficult for me to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm envious and I'm jealous of people that can sit here today and say, Hey, I, I met God at an early age. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I I've had a relationship with him since I was six or seven. You know, I'm envious of that opportunity because that's not my story. Mm. It's not where I come from. It's it's not what I know. You know, I, I was uh, I was taken to church mm. as a kid. I, I grew up going to church. I, I was I was active in Sunday school. I, I sat in the back row. You know, my entire young adult age. Um, But I I experienced things in my life that really, as much as I wanted to believe in God and wanted to believe in the power that that everybody was telling me there was and and the way in which he could impact the world and impact me, I didn't believe it. Mm. Um, And and a part of it was the, the theater that my family was putting forth you know and and the fact that we we would go to church and and we would be active and i would see you know my mom and dad singing in the church choir and i would see my dad being the deacon of the church and and being so involved and being a man that that everybody in the community wanted to be around and 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 be involved with but but it was it was in some regards just a a picture show Um, and, and behind the scenes the, the, the life I was living wasn't a life that any, any child should be living. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at some point, you know, I I just, I, I would lay in my bed at night praying and, and I believed in prayer at the moment. I believed that God could, could help. I could believe that God could save what was going on and really make a change. Mm -hmm. And at some point I gave up. You know, you, you can only cry yourself to sleep so many times. You can only hope that things are going to change for so long. And, and you can only believe in a being that hasn't shown itself to you for so long. You know, and it was it was a viewpoint I had. And it, it really, it just, it tore me apart. It, it ripped me to the bear. It ripped me, ripped me as far as I could go. I, I was in a dark place. Um, it's a place I don't ever want to be again. It, it's a place that nobody should live in. It's a place that's lonely. It's a place that there there seems to be no salvation. You know, you always hear that no matter what you're going through in life, that God's with you and God's walking alone and and, and, or God's walking with you. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. But the majority of my life, that's that's not what I believed. Mm -hmm. I I believed I was at it alone. You know, I built a fortress. Um, around myself, uh, around what was going on, thinking that if I just if I just be me, you know, I'm the only one that can fix this. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't want my life to be better. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was seemingly had everything in the world, right? I mean, I was I was a very outgoing individual. Um, I put on the picture show mm. in some regards. You know, I was just an actor in the story. I, I put forth. This picture of myself—that that, you know, I was the most popular kid in school, phenomenal athlete—but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't—it wasn't real.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I, I, you know, as as much as I hate to admit it, Jeff, it, mm-hmm. I, I despised many things about religion. I, I despised many things about God, the people involved, and you know, it's it's a story I'm not proud of. Mm-hmm. It, it's a story that. Like I said, I'm jealous of, of everybody in this room, everybody listening today, those people that can say, God carried me throughout my life and, and he made me who I am today. And, and he was there when I was struggling with this, but he, you know, at the time mm-hmm. he wasn't, he wasn't there. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I kept thinking. That's what I kept telling myself. So I, I avoided the church. I, I avoided everything involved with it. Um, I, I wanted no part of it. Oh. I, I just felt like, you know, God can't be real because if God was real, I wouldn't be in this life. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, I wouldn't be living what I'm living. And and it, it it was a journey that I don't talk about.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, it's very personal to me for me to be here today to share this. Is is you know, in many regards, the first time anybody's going to hear this story um, outside of, of a handful of people that I've confided in. Um, You know, I'd gone to some preachers early in my life and and tried to get some help, Mm -hmm. Um, and and they only distanced me further from Mm -hmm. God with some of the reactions and comments I got and and almost the the blaming me for where I was and and not the the generational sins and, and things that were going on around me that were forcing me to feel the way I felt. Um, you know, so I progressed that way for years. I, I, I'd like to say that, that at some point I had an aha moment, you know, that really changed it. But, but I don't know that I did. I, I spent my life up until, you know, a few years ago uh, believing that, thinking that, that I'm in this life alone, that I'm going to make the best of my situation. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be successful in everything I do. And I'm going to do it by myself. I don't need anybody or anything to do it. Um, this is the, this is the hand I was dealt and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it into a full house on my own. Um, so my, my faith really started to shift. Um, and this is where the story gets better, right? (laughs) I I mean, you know, I, I'm not proud of, of what I was as a youngster. I'm not proud of, of the thoughts and emotions and actions that I took. Um, you know, during my teenage years, my formative years, even into my twenties, you know, I was, I was a man that was lost, um, but maybe I wasn't even lost because I didn't want to be found.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I, I was just going through the motions. I, I knew I, I had a good career. It was, it was young, it was blooming, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I, I had never had any idea that it would come what it has. But I think sometime around the time my children were born, you know, when my daughter came, my wife and I had already had the conversation that we're not going to have children. You know, I, I was very adamant um, coming into that, and I was, I was very upfront with my wife before we ever got married. I'm not having children. Um, my thought process was, I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to do this. The, the only life I ever lived was one of torment and, and one of anger and disgust. And, and I carried that burden, and I carried that hate and that anger in my heart. And the only way I could ever stop it was just to end it, right? That there is no there is no need to have kids. There's no need for me to be a father. I'll create a great career. I'll be a good husband. I, you know, maybe not even a great husband. I'll keep my wife as happy as I can. I'll, I'll go make as much money as I can. But I think when my children came, it all changed. You know, that that was the moment for me where it was like, man, I. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. You know, and and I don't know that we really set out to have kids, you know, so that to me, maybe that was God saying, you know, you've you've done this. You've lived this life. And and finally, I want to give you something to live for because I didn't have that. And I think that, you know, my daughter was born. I, I remember looking at her and I remember thinking, I can't do this. This is, this is too much. This is, this is something that I can't, I can't do it the way I know how to do it. I, I can't do this the way that I did it. I can't do this the way I lived. And something has to stop. Something has to change. And that was, that was kind of when I started toiling back in faith. And, and admittedly, the last thing I wanted to do was walk back into a church. Mm-hmm. To me, the church was a, a structural reminder of the pain. It was a structural reminder of the hate. Um, and it brought up so many feelings in my heart that, you know, I, I didn't want to live again. You know, I didn't want to have to endure that. Um, so the, the church, it was, just a, it was just a bad place for me. But my wife, you know, God bless her, my wife is, a, is an amazing woman. She loved me. At my worst, and I don't know how. You know, I, I guess God just felt I needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is is a rock, mm-hmm. and and throughout it all, she's what brought me back to faith. She's the rock that brought me back into what I have, and convinced me we needed to go to church, convinced me we needed to be involved. And I was very hesitant, right? I mean, I I didn't want any part. Yeah. I, I didn't want to live that. I didn't want to I didn't want to be involved in that. Just mm-hmm. just leave me alone. Just, you know, I, I have my wife, I have my daughter. Maybe I can still do it on my own. That's what I'm thinking, right? I can, I can still figure this out. But I knew I couldn't. Deep in my heart, you know, I, I think that's the point where I kind of started realizing that it was my perspective. Mm. I had to change my perspective of my life. And I had to realize that, you know, my life was, was a product of how I chose to look at it. Um, and, and that entire time I was going through what I was going through, I always perceived it as God cursing me, mm. that, that God somewhere, somehow I had done something as a child to deserve it. And I think at, the, at, the, at this point in my life, you know, I've got my daughter, um, I've, I've got an amazing woman that loves me. I started realizing, you know, that's it, a perception. Maybe as, as, I, as I started going back to church and I started learning a little more about the faith, I started to perceive that, that you know, maybe God was there with me. And that's why I'm here today. You know, I, I mean, there were times where you know, suicide felt like the best option. Um, so maybe God was there with me. Maybe, maybe God was actually walking alongside me, keeping me going and, and making me feel like, you know, you belong you have a purpose, and I started toiling in faith, got a little more involved, and I gotta tell you, you know, about three years ago, we moved to Franklin. Um, you know, I was born in Texas, lived in Texas, raised in Texas, I'm a Texan at heart. You know, the people that know me, I, I'm your prototypical Texan that, that thinks Texas is better than everywhere else. <laughs> But coming here, you know, I, I had a son, you know, my, my son Luke was born, and now I'm looking at two kids, and, and I'm, I'm a great father at the time, right? I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm perpetuating what I had gone through onto my daughter, but now I have a son, and, and I think, you know, every father-son relationship, not to discount the relationship I have with my daughter, but our, our, our father-son relationship, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you start thinking, my son's going to want to be like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope my daughter wants to be like my wife, which is, you know, that's a blessing. Yeah. But I think it hit me when my son was born. My son's gonna wanna be me, and he's gonna wanna be like I am. And am I proud of who I am? Am I proud of, of where I'm going? Am I proud of what I'm doing? And I wasn't. You know, I, I had a great career. Moving here was, was a, an opportunity for me to advance my career to something that I never thought possible particularly at the age I was at, you know, one of the youngest executive directors in the country. Um, but it, it, my career was never in doubt, it was, it was me, it was my faith, it was what I was doing in life. And I, I think I took a hard look at myself and said, if, if my son becomes who I am, am I proud of that? Mm. And the answer was overwhelmingly no. You've got to do something about this. So I, I started going to church. I found a church in, in our area that, that I felt like this is it. This is for me. My wife was volunteering. I was going through the motions. Um, I felt like faith was coming to me. I was starting to read the Bible. I was, I was starting to start understanding things. Um, but it, it was still for me, the church, the building, it was it was so many reminders. I couldn't walk into a church and, and not be overwhelmed by that. So I, I, I took a different approach. I started going into more of a community group. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined a group, you know, in his grip, it's a, it's a golf-based ministry. I, I started working out with a group, F3. Um, it's a, it's kind of a, a men's boot camp. that's faith fitness fellowship. You go out and, and get involved. Um, I started surrounding myself with with people that believed people that, you know, they would pray in the open people that would would talk to me about God. And, and, and my life started changing, you know, and and now it's 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 I want to be around those people. I want to talk about what God's done in my life. I, I, I want to be the story of revival. I want to come around and, and tell people that, you know, I'm not your prototypical Christian. I didn't come out and at six years old, God, you know, told me everything I needed to do. I was baptized and I dedicated my life to him because I didn't, Um, but that's okay, right? We We all have a different road with God. We've all walked a different path and it doesn't matter what that path is paved with. All that matters is that we don't let that path be foreshadowing to the future. Um, And and I try to live that. I try to be with God. I try to, I try to have my daily tea time with him. You know, I I try to preach about what he's done in my life. Um, You know, I'm a new man. I'm regenerated in in my faith. I'm regenerated in where I'm going. And I don't have to perpetuate the life that I lived. I I only have to enjoy the life that I'm going to live. Um, God has given me so much and, and it was just my perception that perceived it entirely wrong. You know, he's been with me the entire time. He's been the rock that kept me going. He's, he's the one who gave me my, you know, my mom, was it's just such an inspiration in, in how she deals with it. My sister, mm. you know, I, I started realizing the people around me were there because God put them there. Yeah. Um, and, and I realized that the, the hate and the, the, the angst that I experienced was just the way I chose to perceive it. Mm. Um, and, and I realized there's so much more life mm. You know, and, and we can't be defined by what we've experienced in the past. We can only define ourselves by what we're gonna do next. Um, some of us have the privilege of, of being defined by who we are, our upbringing, what we have, but I don't, you know? So for me, I get an, I get an open book.
0: Clayton, you know, from growing up, I mean, it looked like you had everything on the outside. I mean, here you are, the most popular kid at school, and you know, you're a great athlete and all, but but there was generational sin that was being passed down to you that was making you feel like a failure, making you feel just terrible at night. What was that generational sin that you saw coming down, and and how did you start to address that in your life?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I think when you're living it, you don't really understand what it is. Mm. You know, it, it just sort of it becomes natural it's just the environment you're in and, and my faith at the time i didn't recognize sin you know to me that was just what it was yeah. you know it was the the concept of my own reality it, it it didn't dawn on me at the time what sin was and what it wasn't because to me there was no faith in the world there yeah. was there there was no reason to worry about sin there was nothing there it was, mm. it was just the reality i lived mm. so you know as as i kind of went forward you sort of learn learn that that sin exists, but in, in the in the moment, you know that the, it, it was normal to me. Mm. It was what it was. It, it was how I lived. It, it was the the everyday concept of what I was going to wake up to. Mm. Um, so to help identify it and and really peg it as sin was something I never did. You know, it, it was just the reality of my situation to understand that this is all I know. This is this is all I've ever experienced. This is all I, I've ever been a part of. Um, and you know, and I think that's the problem with generational sin Mm -hmm. and generational sin just sort of perpetuates itself. Mm -hmm. It keeps going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew my whole life that what was going on wasn't right. I knew that it it shouldn't be happening. I knew that it wasn't the way that people were supposed to grow up, Mm -hmm. but it was normal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just the life I lived, Mm -hmm. you know, you, I learned to adapt. Yeah, a lot of people they learn to adapt to generational sin mm. they learn to adjust suddenly it's it's okay that that's the norm mm. um, generational sin just becomes you know your everyday activity mm. you learn to lie to avoid what's coming you learn to um, not be truthful, not be faithful. You'll learn that that you can get away with some things and some things you just have to act like they never happened so that you don't experience the wrath of the sin that you know is coming. So in some regards, I think people struggle with generational sin because you become so ingrained in how to survive it. Um, You become so ingrained in, in trying to understand that to make it through you're going to have to become something you're not.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and, and I think that it, it, at, the, at that point in my life, you know, I did have it all. I, I, I was this picturesque, all-American boy that, that everybody wants their kids to be. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I, I was a straight-A student, National Honor Society, uh, you know, president of the student, the student body. You know, I was an honors role. Um, I had it all, but I didn't have anything. Mm. Um, You know, I was just living out some script. Mm. And the the, the sin and the actions of my father were the the overall plot.
2: Mm. And
1: and how do you survive it? How do you gain an advantage? And the only way to gain that advantage is sometimes to take up the sin itself Mm. and let it become a part of you because then you're just mirroring what you see. And when you're mirroring what you see, it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And in that environment, in some regards, that's what the sin, the, the person doing the sin wants to
2: see—that
1: mm. you have become what you despise the most. Mm. And, and, in, and in that regard, that that was what I had, I had become.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I was I was behind the scenes. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was I was frustrated. I would lash out. I, I just I carried such an anger and hate in my heart that it it just was overwhelming mm. you know and, and it just it, again you know it's not something i'm proud of yeah. I, I, looking back i treated people a, a way that if somebody treated my children that way now i i would i would just you know go off the deep end
2: mm. uh,
1: but the problem with generational sin is is you don't know you're doing it it becomes a normal action.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: becomes a tendency more so than a difference. Yeah. Um, and it just perpetuates itself. And it be, but again, it becomes okay. Yeah. Because that's what you know, that's what you live, and, and that's what is being perpetuated on you. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it's a sin, you just think it's normal activity. Yeah. It's the way people live their lives.
2: Mm.
0: And I think every guy watching this, uh, if we're deep down honest, like we're being today, there's things in our past, right? There's things that were passed down from great grandfather, grandfather, father. And at some point we've got to be the ones to say, no, you know, I mean, and whether it's, it's the anger or whether it's, um, hitting or whether it's pornography or whether it's, um, alcoholism. And a lot of times people just rationalize. Well, well that's the way my family is, you know, Absolutely. that, that's just who we are. and. And yet it just continues on that way. And it, and it, and it, it just brings devastation into children and, and grandchildren and, and, and generations. But by the grace of God, Christ coming into your heart, and your life and changing you. And you said, stop, you know, I don't want to pass this on. And, and I know that that moment of your son being born and just saying, you know, now all of a sudden he's going to look at me. And you had the opportunity there to say, I wanted to be different. And I think every guy watching this has that call or that responsibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, I, I think
1: it's it's one of the things that somebody could take away. Yeah. You know, for me I had a I had an aha moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe when people ask me, how did you how did you flip the generational yeah. sin? What happened in your life? And it, I had an aha moment. You know, everybody wants to be a hero in life, right? We all wanna, we all wanna be praised for who we are, what we've done. It, it was my son. You know, I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, I've got to, I've gotta break this cycle, I've gotta do something. And my aha moment was because if I don't break it, if I don't have the courage and the passion and the willingness to do this, my son's gonna have to. None, no parent wants to be a burden on their children. And if I don't have it in me, if I don't have the courage to step out and really change what's going on, I'm giving that responsibility to my son. I'm going to raise him in the same environment I was raised in. But then I'm going to force him to make the change. Because I didn't have the willingness, the desire, the courage to do it myself. Um, So for me, that was it. That was the moment that there was no turning back. You (laughs) know, there's that was the moment where I said, listen, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to be something that makes my son proud. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be something that that when he looks back on his life, he doesn't look back like I do. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the regret. He doesn't have the angst. He doesn't have the anger, the sadness. All he has is the memories. And when somebody asks him his story to faith, he's going to be able to tell them that I'm the six-year-old, I've been in church my whole life, I've been baptized, God has walked with me the entire way, right, so I'm, in some ways, I'm helping rewrite my story so that he has the story I always wanted. So that was that was really my moment, you know, if I don't do this, I'm putting the burden on my children mm-hmm. and I'm gonna force them to do it and then I'm gonna have to watch it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life as a grandparent looking back on my children hoping and praying that they make the change. Wow. Because if they don't, it just keeps going. Like you said, generational is is in fact, just by the definition, it's just a tendency that is passed down from generation to generation to generation until somebody is willing to find a reason to step in and say, no more. No more. That this is it. This is the moment that that my last name becomes something that's different. (laughs) And this is the moment where my son's gonna look back and say, hey, my life was good. My life was honorable. My life was, was a, a hand in hand with God. Mm-hmm. And, and he's gonna know that God loves him and God needs him and God has high expectations for him. Mm-hmm. And my daughter too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my, my daughter's gonna be reflective of that personality. And, mm-hmm. and they're gonna be able to lead their lives in a way that, that makes them proud, mm-hmm. not a way that they look back and, and really you know, again, they don't want to tell the story, that that they don't want to relive it. They don't want people to know who really they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, that's, man, that's special. And and that's what generational sin is. And that's what it means. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to to be willing to take the blow. You've got to be willing to to step in front of the train. And no matter what happens, know that failure isn't an option. Mm -hmm. Because if it is, if you fail, the, the burden becomes your children, the people you love the most, the people you want to be a hero to. You can't be a hero if you're passing
0: that along to them. Man, that is so strong. And, and it, you're exactly right. I mean, that's where you, as a man, have to stand up and be a person of integrity and character. And, and you can only do that through Christ, through Christ alone who changes your heart, you know? Because, and, and I mean, it's, it's Christ working in you and Christ passing on to the next generation. The joy and the peace that could come instead of the bitterness and the anger and the resentment that so many times has passed down. And um, Clayton, I just want to say thank you, you know, for fighting that battle. I know when we were in a study at church on Joseph, you know, and talking about this Ford series. And, and uh, yeah, I just think, man, you stepped in. And, and even though things were passed down, um, to you, you said, "Okay, I, I've got to stand up for this, and I got to be right." And, and you look throughout Scripture, and it's you know, there's there's kings and others who've just passed down generational sin, but then there were finally some people who stood up and said no. And um, and you're doing that, and you're changing your family tree, and and I love that, and I love that. Um, what would you say if you had just one thing to say to any guy out there watching, any man out there watching uh, about Looking at their own generational sin, identifying that in their life, and whether it's alcoholism or racism or anger or bitterness, what would you say to any guy out there?
1: You know, I I think as men, we always want to think high of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We always want to think we're doing what's right and we're, we're doing what is wanted of us. But in a lot of these instances, uh, the biggest struggle I had in overcoming what I was trying to overcome was forgiveness. Mm. Um, you know, God teaches forgiveness, but it's hard for us to perpetuate that teaching. Mm. And, and for, uh, for me, I had to be willing to look back on my life and, and forgive you know, in, in twofold. One, I had to forgive the situation I was in and, and forgive the people that were involved. Um, I had to forgive you know, the church, the family, everybody that was involved in what had perpetuated my, my idealism. But maybe more importantly, I had to forgive myself. Mm. And I think a lot of people that are dealing with that generational sin, the you know, whatever it is, like you said, alcoholism, whatever that generational sin is, at some point in your life you're not proud of what you had done Um, and you're not proud of the actions you took. You have to forgive yourself. You have to be willing to look back, you know, in my life and and, and as an example, I have to be willing to look back and and forgive myself Mm. for feeling like God didn't exist. I I had to forgive myself for the hate that I had created. I had to forgive myself for the perception and the reality that I had Because if you're carrying that burden with you, you can't move on. You can't can't re-evaluate. You you can't build on the future if you're looking in the rearview mirror all the time. If you you won't forgive yourself, if you won't say, you know what, I made a mistake. I know I kept that generational sin going for a while. I, I know that I carried that with me. But it's okay. Because today is, is a new chapter. You know, they, they say that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And, and people have to take that approach. You know, I, I, can't, I can't change who I was. I can't change what I did. I can't change the things in my life that I was perpetuating this gener, generational sin. But man, I can change it going forward. And I have to forgive myself for what I did. I have to forgive myself for the mistakes I made, the sins I committed. I have to forgive myself for the way I treated people. You know, again, my wife is a saint, but I know I didn't treat her the way she deserved. I I know she needed more. I I know that in some ways I kept keeping that generational sin and I kept keeping her at bay and I wouldn't let her in. I, you know, I I was almost a Jekyll and Hyde. It it, it was, I I love you, but don't get too close because I just don't want to go back to what I know. I had to forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. I had to say it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, God has blessed me in more ways than I deserve, and He's forgiven me. <laughs> if if God is willing to forgive me, I, why can't I forgive myself? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's the first step for anybody listening today. Mm-hmm. Understand mm-hmm. that we all know we messed up. Mm-hmm. We all know we're not perfect, mm-hmm. but you've got to forgive. Mm-hmm because you can't carry that burden into the next step. Mm-hmm. You can't carry the pain, the angst, you know, whatever it is, whatever your family has perpetuatedly kept with them. Mm-hmm. It's not your weight to bear anymore. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, what do you want your
0: legacy to be?
1: You know, that's, that's always a great question. Any, any Any human being wonders what their legacy yeah. will be. You know, for me, I struggle with the question, mm-hmm. Because I think a legacy is is what we've done our entire lives. Mm -hmm. What defines us as a person. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I've mentioned here today, I'm not so proud of the first part of my legacy. Um, I've turned my life around. Mm -hmm. I'm going in a direction I'm proud of. So for me, I want my legacy to be, you know, from this day forward. Mm -hmm. I want my legacy to be in my children. Mm -hmm. I want them to understand what it means to have that relationship with God. I, I want them to know what a dad is. I want them to feel the love I have. Um, I, I want my daughter mm-hmm. to have higher expectations of, of her husband, you know. I, I want her to look at me and say, that's the, that's the husband I want, you know. I, I just, you know, when I go... I I work in a tremendous industry, right? I mean, golf is is a passion of mine, it's a love of mine. I I want my legacy to be in in the grip of every kid that picks up the game Mm -hmm. because I gave them that access. Mm I want my legacy to be you know, the people that I've impacted. I want my legacy to be the people that have heard my story and, and made a change. Yes. I mean, I want, when, when I have a funeral, I want the room to be filled with people who look back and say, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Clayton. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be here if he wasn't willing to step out and, and tell the story of, of God's salvation and, and, and what he has in store for us. You know, I, I want people To look at me and say, you know what, this is a guy that that, you know, maybe in the beginning he was he was dealt a bad hand, but you know, he turned the lemon into lemonade. And not only that, he served it as much as he could. And I and I was a benefactor of that. I I just want people to look back at my life and be proud Mm. so that it sort of redeems me, right? Because I'm not proud. So for others to look at me and, and, and think that there's, there's, wow, this this guy has got it. You know, I, that to me, my, my legacy will be whether or not I, I truly recover from the past and and what impact I can make, you know, from the tree I planted a few years ago going forward. Will that tree continue to blossom
0: or not? Yeah. Oh man. Clayton, thanks. I mean, I'm telling you, God has spoken through you and just to see the change in your life and to see you as a husband, as a father. And God's hand is on you. And just thanks for sharing your story with us today. I'm going to pray for us right now. Oh, Father God, thank you for, God, your word and your truth. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who changes us. God, who gives us hope in life. And, and Father, I pray for every man who's been watching this podcast right now. And I pray, God, you would just grip every one of our hearts and, God, the, the generational sin that's come down to us, Father, you would give us the courage to, to step up and stop it, Father, not in our own power, but by the grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that you would change families, that you would change lives, God, because of what you're doing to each man right now. And so thanks for Clayton, for a story. Bless him today, God, and bless every man who sees this, God. And let us be men after your heart, godly husbands and fathers, who leave a legacy for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for this day. In your name we pray, amen.